Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. An old scavenger living on the fringes of a near future society exploits a ghostly companion's ability to traverse time, hoping to prevent his mother suffering from a terminal illness. A deliberately paced story that burns with intensity and human emotion, The Long Walk is all at once a culturally rich ghost story, a grim near future sci-fi and mystery with life and death stakes that span across decades. The film again is called The Long Walk. We're joined today by the director, Maddie Doe. Welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi. Thank you for having me, actually, Mike. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, it's a a wonderful film. It is a film that I feel like there's so much thought that went into the making of this film on different levels. The human skill, the family impact of cultural and historic events in, in Laos, as well as just the interpersonal, the mother and the son, the father and the son. There's so much here, and it's so, so layered. Before we get too far into this, I want to acknowledge your screenwriter, uh, Christopher Larson, and you. how did you collaborate? How did this all begin and take place? Well, you know, Christopher Larson is my husband, so that helps a lot. He cannot escape my gaze without having to put his hands on the keyboard for me. <laughs> I'm very lucky in that regard. I can keep him chained to the, you know, normal people chain, get chained to the radiator. I chain him to the computers. So. <laughs> you know, all joking aside, Christopher and I are deeply collaborative whenever we um, work together. And I don't think that it's a very average relationship. I typically come up with an idea. And when I come up with the idea, I'm not as hyper-focused as he is, because a writer has to be very organized for their thought. They have, um, I don't want to say they're formulaic, but they have ways to express the thought um, so that the story is complete and whole. But for myself, I just start with an idea and I can start thinking about scenes or moments in the middle, in the beginning, in the end, and I'm just grabbing at things. And his job is to listen to me, just kind of stream of consciousness get all of these ideas out and here if this is him in a straight line putting along with his keyboard I'm twisting around him I'm winding and spiraling around and it's his job to cherry pick the moments that are interesting and find a way to organize them if some moments don't work he has to put them in a bushel and keep them for later for maybe they end up becoming pie maybe they end up becoming a tart but you know they get baked in eventually (laughs) well there's much in the structure of the film, the storytelling as it unravels, that very much fits the description of how you work, because the film does, over the course of the telling, go back and forth in time, are the the main character. I don't want to give too much away. I feel like there's a lot here that should go unsaid, but I I feel, because it's important to uh, the experience of watching the film, but I'll, yes. I'll give it to you to kind of describe the structure of the film if I if I haven't done a very good job. I mean, the structure of the film, you're right, it is wild. I like to think of it as a snail shell. It's, you know, the timeline is not straight. It's not point A to point B to point Z, like most films are and like most uh, traditional stories are. 
I think most Westerners think of time as a straight line. You, you are born, you live, and you die. But in some parts of Asia, people who believe in Buddhism and reincarnation, you can be reborn, you can come back. And there's also spirits who get lost, and one could call it purgatory, who did not get to move on properly. And so while you're spiraling through time, I've added the element in the structure of another character, a ghost who is, un, one could say, unhinged from the time spiral. And she's able to jump through time with her constant, with the main character of the film. But the problem is, since she's not hooked into this timeline, she's hooked to him. And so she has to live in a parallel timeline to him, only jumping forward with him and taking him back to a previous timeline. But she can't go back further than they've already gone because any timeline that she's affected, the moment has already passed so they can't go back earlier than the moment that they've already touched. It's right. That wasn't a good explanation because it's a really complicated film. No, well, but when you say it, you'll get it. When you say it, you'll get it. Yeah, exactly. You will get it. And But I do think that's it, it's important for people to understand that for, for people, just the sort of the general outline of it. Let's get to a little more of the storyline of... Uh, uh, the young boy in the, in the film is dealing with what a lot of people deal with in rural areas of the un, you know underdeveloped parts of the world, and that is struggling to survive. The family struggling to survive and just get through. But in this case, in Laos, as, as we talked a little bit about, there is this confluence of NGOs, non-government organizations that have come in to try and help with the development without a clear understanding of the actual needs of the people that they're Correct. there to help. And that complicates things. It also provides a kind of a another layer of commentary, another layer of to understand the story. Is that a fair way to put it? I think that's fair. I mean, I will say that anyone who's seen my work before will know that I have a very sharp edge on how I handle NGO organizations and aid here in the country. And I think that anyone who's lived, worked, or grown up in a developing country before can understand it and that I have encountered it before. And it's usually this concept of the white savior or the Western savior who sort of treat us like we don't know better or that we and we do need help, by the way, like we do need help. And a lot of the work that these NGO humanitarian organizations do is the work is great and it's necessary. But at the same time, there are, there are moments, Mike, where I sometimes wonder, what if we were left to, you know, make some of our mistakes? What if, what if we didn't become so reliant on assuming that the Western world was going to solve and become the solution to all of our problems, we would fall a few times. Of course, there would be some failures, but we'd also find our solution. We'd also learn to get up and we'd also learn to walk. But the problem with relying sometimes on outside forces to assist us is that they, you're right. They don't know the root of our problems. They don't know the origin of our problems. And it's like, we've had problems that have been festering and growing for centuries in this country. And some of them come from a history or tradition or culture, um, cultural background that a lot of these people who've only been posted here for two years can't possibly understand. Neither have they ever like studied it. And so they come and maybe we've got a bullet hole that's gushing blood, but they take their cute little plastic plaster, you know, their Western plaster that says USA on it. And they put it on our wound, their Western solution to our Eastern problem. And they're like, sweet, ciao, I saved Southeast Asia. And then they get posted to Africa and they repeat the process 
And meanwhile, you're like, you know, we're getting an infection underneath the Band-Aid. <laughs> As you just described, I am familiar with Lao history because of the all of the United States involvement in Vietnam. Excuse me, what I did not know until relatively recently was that there was even a war occurring in Laos during this period of time and a vicious There's and actually multiple wars occurring. Multiple, That's a, yes. another thing that you might not have known. There were we also had our own civil war occurring simultaneously as well. So <laughs> there was a lot happening. And well, you don't learn about it in the history books because things didn't go well for America in that time period. And they're not going, the Americans who write their history books are not going to write about that particular moment in the books. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's important. I really do think it's important because when I learned about it, heard about it, it made what happened in Vietnam even more egregious. And, and but also it gave a little more context to me to understand what happened. This goes yes. back to the, it goes back 300 years. And I, I mean, there's yes. much, 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 much more. But in terms of contemporary history, the end of World War II to, through to today is a tremendous impact on colonialism, was a, in all this kind, all the things that you mentioned earlier. But I, I don't want to, that's not what this film is about. It is sort of provides the sort of the, the ether of the world these people mm -hmm. live in. It's a part of the world, but it's not 100% what the film is about. You're right. But it, it's, it makes that part of the woven fibers of this fabric. <laughs> right, right, right. It does. Absolutely. Well, um, again, the film is called The Long Walk, and we're talking with the director, Maddie Doe. And it comes out this Friday in theaters on February 18th. Excuse me. It'll be available on digital and on demand beginning on March 1st. The, the film has received a tremendous amount of very positive reviews, but moving forward for you as a filmmaker, are you working on other projects? Well, I'm working on three projects simultaneously right now. Okay. <laughs> There's two projects. One is, it's a pretty crazy film, and it actually is not a Lao film. It focuses on a relationship between a Thai girl and uh, an American one. It's also a genre film, but it's not supernatural. It kind of involves a super, I, I wouldn't call it a supernatural phenomenon, I guess it's a it's a phenomenon that happens in physics called a quantum entanglement, where two atoms that are not in the same object or even in the same location or position react to each other. So you could have one object here or one atom here and another atom not even attached or connected. And what you do to this atom affects this one. And so it's a film about a connection. It's a love story, actually, between these two girls that could not be more different culturally, uh, socially, class-wise, language, um, location. And it's kind of a story, it's a love story about the fact that, um, you know, when you meet your soulmate, when you meet the person who is bound to you, regardless of how toxic or unfit the relationship is, what do you do? Like, it's just meant to be, right? right. But hijinks ensue, Mike. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. By the way, I've I have heard of this phenomenon. I couldn't believe it when I read about it. It, it this idea it's, a, it's crazy, right? It is. Well, it does lend a, um, without going down this road too far, but it does lend some credibility to the idea that we live in a multiverse as well. There are a lot of things yes. that seem to be happening. <laughs> unexplainable. Inexplainable. And and having mm -hmm. the, I believe it started out as the string theory and now it's kind of evolved into multiverse. I read a few articles about triplets who 
were raised apart and who were adopted apart from each other and they were connected. It wasn't the ones from the documentary, but there was another one. And they ended up working in a similar field, driving a similar car, marrying similar women. And then they got together much later in life and realized this. And I was just thinking about, oh my God, this is a phenomenon. It really is. And I don't know if that would be considered quantum entanglement because technically those three atoms would have, you know, the, the cellular structure of those three boys would have been started from one. Yeah. But, um, the and then I'm working on a creature feature which is Lao and it takes place in Lao and it's called the White King. Um, and it's about a sex pat in Lao who comes over and pretty much lords over a rural Lao village, but he gets accidentally killed by these three children that he's abused. They try and hide his body in a ceremonial ritual site and he comes back to terrorize these three young kids. Oh, wow. And, that was pretty on the nose with the commentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like sex back, coming back to terrorize three yeah. little loud kids. Like. <laughs> Very good. Well, The Long Walk is an excellent film, well told, and it asks of the viewer to pay attention, to, to, be, to be in the moment watching the film, and it pays off. Your time is well spent, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And uh, I look forward, hopefully, when the time comes, you'll come back and spend a little more time with us. Um, so, I mean, Mike, it was wonderful to speak to you. And I hope that your audience also really enjoys the film, too, because you're right. It's a film that requires patience, but it's a challenging film. But once all the pieces are there, I promise you, it's like a splintered glass mirror. But once you connect them all, your image will be whole. I promise. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Matty Doe, thank you so much. Again, the film is called The Long Walk. It comes out this Friday in theaters on February 18th and available March 1st on VOD and platforms all over the world. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.